Hi, I'm your host, Connor Byrne, and welcome back to That's What I Call Marketing, the podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique stories. Today, I'm joined by Meldrum Duncan. Meldrum's founder of Curious Industry, which is a London-based global strategy and innovation consultancy. Meldrum began his career in advertising. He's worked as a copywriter, account director, strategic planner, and he went on to be a consultant at What If, where he was a partner and board member, and he set up and ran their New York office. Before he became a director of innovation, and then in 2013, he set up Curious Industry. In today's podcast, we talk about how you go about presenting a product in the world in a way that people want to buy it. We discuss clarity of thinking being at the core of understanding the challenge you face in your business, triangulating what you are hearing in research, and defining what an insight is and how you can stay true to it. And somehow we wrap this all up in a totally made up example about Smokey the Cat. Meldrum, thanks so much for joining me on That's What I Call Marketing. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Listen, we might just start like giving a bit of a, a background and intro to you, but for people who don't know Meldrum Duncan and don't know Curious Industry, tell me a bit about you and how you got to set up uh, Curious Industry. Background in advertising, so I was accountman, planner, then copywriter, and then found myself in innovation as, a, as an infant industry. And innovation changed. This this was back as my kids like to laugh in the 1900s. Um, <laughs> and innovation has changed a lot since, uh, as most things have since the 1900s. Um, and where it was a game of new ideas and beanbags and, you know, kind of energizers, it, it, I felt a need to do it a bit more strategically, a bit smarter. And therefore, we, we, we really don't help on NPD today. We help clients just be a bit more innovative and strategic in their thinking. Uh, so that that was the journey. You worked for the well-known agency, What If? Um, yep. Did I, did you fall into that? Was it a kind of an accidental thing, or did you kind of? I was I was a copywriter prior to that, and uh, the agency was losing clients left, right, and centre. I hope I wasn't part of <laughs> that demise, <laughs> and finally folded. So I found myself out of work, and and remember seeing a job ad that was wanted someone who's good at ideas, good at strategy, good with clients, um, salary negotiable. So that was the start of that was the start of my career in innovation. Back uh, in the 1900s. 1900s, I love it, I love it. Um, you, you would have worked with some um, pretty big, well-known clients um, during that time, what if, and, and then you, you went on and right to say, setting up their, their New York operation? Correct. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to, to be there quite near the start, actually, of what if, um, back in the beanbag days. And, and you know, we, we were flown around the world to, to run workshops and do crazy stuff. So, you know, I remember sitting with, um, s- sitting with motorbike drivers in, in Bangkok trying to work out how we could sell them a premium fuel. Uh, and then I was in Mexico trying to work out, you know, kind of how they could buy more chocolate. It was, they were happy days. But, you know, eventually you realize unless something happens with your thinking, you can have all the colored bits of paper in the world that you like, but, um, you know, kind of it's, it's more about getting stuff launched. Um, and, and that's kind of what led me to, to kind of push out my own 10 years ago now, I think. Is it 10 years? Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so I guess a difficult question to answer, but if you were to explain to somebody what, what you do, 
what what does it what does the day look like for for you and kind of how it's, you it's work? taken me it's taken me 10 years to answer that one actually that is i think what i do is i help clients connect what they do with what consumers want because at the end of the day that's all that really matters that is in my world that is i work with some amazing clients who who make amazing products and are really good at optimizing their their supply chain and optimizing their their pricing but the rubber hits the road if nobody's if nobody's buying it and therefore how do we need to present this product in the world such that pe- people will buy it or will buy more of it or will stop buying the competition and therefore that's that's kind of that's what I do. And therefore, you have to work out both sides of that equation. What, what is it that's great about this product? What, 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 what can we flex? What can't we flex? And what is it that people want? And the closer you can align those two things, the more successful you are. So without giving away any secret sauce, how do you go about doing that? Because that's pretty complex. Because I guess like if you think about it like a product, so I... I've got this amazing product. I, I know it's wonderful. And it's going to, you know, solve the world's problems around, I don't know, cat food, whatever, yeah, right? Cat food, marvelous. Let's do uh, cat food. <laughs> and, you know, I have a really strong belief around why this product is brilliant. Yep. Okay. And people are buying it. And, and so how do you then go about taking that and moving it on to be something that, um, it, you know, it, can be clearly communicated to people, but moves it on from maybe where my belief is on how amazing my cat food product it's is. It's interesting. You used the word, I think, my four or five times in that sentence. Some of the hardest brands to work with are startups because they are, they're, they're founder-led, they're visionary, they're passionate about their baby, and nothing is for changing. Some of the easiest brands to work with, by contrast, are those who have been in market for a while, where growth is perhaps slowing, and they're just saying, look, help, you know, <laughs> we need to change something, or we need something to change, perhaps is a better right. way of saying that. And therefore, we, we'll start on the left-hand side, that is, what, what are the real constraints, and what are the per- per- perceived constraints in terms of what can we change here? You know, we're not going to change the brand name, but actually have, you know, could, could we change where we surface? Could we change how we're packaged? Could we change how we talk about this in marketing terms or in communication? Um, you know, could we think differently about who we're going after? Could we have a different story to take to the trade? Some of those you won't want to change at all. Obviously, your, your brand is, you know, kind of one of those, but there's quite a lot that actually become perceived constraints in business. Oh, no, 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 we can't change that. We've tried that before. That didn't work. And actually by challenging, is that really a constraint? Or with the right stars aligned, could could we start to move the the dial on that? And then you're... you're, So so you've found some flexibility on the left-hand side, if you like. And then on the right-hand side, you're digging into what consumers want. Not what consumers tell you want, tell you they want, but what's actually going on in their in their hearts and minds when they buy you know this this brand of cat food and not this brand of cat food or what do they really want for for smokey the cat um, because they don't just want cat food they want to be loved they want to not die lonely they want they want all sorts of quite deep and emotional triggers 
that if we can connect with them, then now we've got a brand that can be a bit more flexible and we've got a hook that is deeper and, 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 and more emotional on the consumer side. Yeah, I, I, and I want to talk a bit about the, that what consumers really truly want in a minute but and I want to but I want to go back to the maybe the left hand side and the challenging the constraints yeah. how do you go about doing that like what because you know I think anyone who works in any size of an organization knows constraints deeply embedded constraints that are true not true but you know but they exist yeah. and and sometimes you know I've seen it where where I am where new people come in and very quickly get the cultural narrative around a thing and you're like, oh yes. God, that's, you know, that may, may not be true anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how do you go about, I, I guess, maybe identifying them and then trying to break down and challenge those constraints? Yeah, I, I don't have a straight model for it, but effectively th- there's probably a spectrum. There's probably a spectrum of things that are absolutely sacrosanct and you cannot touch. And at the other end, they're like, well, yeah, okay, yeah, we can change that, sure. Often the interesting thing comes in in the midground. That is, I believe this is a constraint. Well, let's let's check that. I was working with with a multinational food company recently, and we got their food science people in and said, "I've heard that you can't use such and such an ingredient, or I've heard that you know, kind of the the company won't allow it." And they're like, "No, no, that was based on that was based on ten years ago when the EC were still deliberating whether it was whether it was true or not, and therefore it's that mid ground that you can often find you can often find some interesting wiggle room in. Are there things like that companies can do themselves to? I'm not saying they shouldn't bring in curious industry, but like on a, a more regular basis because these things happen and they can be absolute blockers to. Um, growth or potential opportunities yeah. that's a great example where like oh god no that's like 10 years ago like that's just a thing but it, it it culturally got ingrained in that organization somehow are there things that you have observed that you think gosh if only companies were doing this or this it might just help break down some of those you know ingrained I, beliefs i think if you if you go and try and break beliefs you're you're on a you're on a, a rocky road, perhaps. It may get you there. Note I, to self. I would, I, would, <laughs> I would instead suggest be really clear about what the corporate strategy is. Where are we all trying to get to? Because if, we, if we're clear about where we're trying to get to, ideas that help open doors to that are often readily received and beliefs are loosened if it's on strategy. If you're if you're trying to head in a different direction and be the thorn in the side, that's that's where life gets much harder. So I think, you know, kind of take the example of of the the food company I was talking about. They desperately wanted to find a solution out of where they were, and therefore when we when we kind of unearthed this fact, it was it, you know kind of all ears were open because they wanted to find growth, they wanted change, and this. This helped them along the the road of that corporate strategy. I think. Yeah, I in many ways I'm listening to you going, gosh, I wish I wish you'd imparted this wisdom on me before now. <laughs> I would have opened many doors. Uh, ideas that help open doors. And um, before I get onto the what consumers want, like I, the power of ideas is phenomenal. Can you talk to me yeah. a bit about that? The ideas that open doors. I so. 
you and I, I'm sure, have been many, many people have been through these, you know, psychometric tests. I score off the roof in idea generation, whichever colour that is. And and therefore I think there's a caution with ideas. Ideas are easy. Everyone can have ideas. You know, often if we have a client come to us and say we just need ideas, then we'll respond via email and say, okay, here's 50. Yeah. Because that's not your problem. Um and therefore I think often it's which idea? Which idea most closely aligns with our strategy? Which idea has found that kind of open door? And which which aligns with what consumers want? It can't just be what consumers want. Often we will recommend the idea that comes second or even third in quant testing okay. simply because it's more aligned with where the organization wants to go. If you just pursue what consumers want, but, they, but it's not on strategy, oh, that's, that's going to be hard. Yeah, I I often refer to that one as um, build, the building Homer Simpson's car in that episode of The Simpsons where he meets his long lost brother played by Danny DeVito and he goes, Homer, I want you to build the, the people's car, the car of the people. And Homer like throws everything at the car because he wants he wants it to be everything. Right. And so that yeah. sometimes is what consumers say they want is Homer Absolutely. Simpson's car. Then you launch Homer Simpson's car and there's like, so to that point about what consumers want, there's the what yeah. consumers say they not just want, but what they, what they do, what they'll yeah. say they'll do and or, then what or, the truth is. Yeah. And, or often they'll play back the paradigm that's in the market already. So you'll hear, you'll heal them play back what your competitors are saying in, in, in Congress. Okay. And therefore it's kind of often we'll try and get to, but, but what do they really want? What yeah. are they really thinking? And, you know, take Smokey the cat, for example, they're not going to tell you that they're afraid of dying alone, but ultimately, you know, if, if you've got the cat for company or affirmation or someone who will just, you know, kind of make you feel a bit better, on a rainy day or a rubbish day that where you you know someone's been mean to you, then actually there's something about that relationship that the the consumer's not hiding from us, but they're just unable. I you know they're either unable or unwilling to tell us in in classic research settings, and therefore if you can dig around, and and be a bit, a bit like a detective, and it's a it's a hackneyed analogy, but I do keep coming back to it. That is, consumer work. If 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 we ran merger investigations like we run consumer work, yeah, we'd have a discussion guide. We'd ask all the questions, and then we'd write a report, and no no crimes would get solved. But actually, if you think about you know that classic kind of CSI scene, mm. the te- the te- the detective is going, "Oh, hold on, you just said something that's interesting. Let me dig on that. Let me head head down that rabbit hole." And and it's often down those holes where we find. The, the the untapped gold, if you like, and uh, and the, I love doing that. I think it's absolutely you can do it with a handful of consumers. Um, having found it, you need to to be very clear about it because, as you describe Homer Simpson's car, the risk is: oh, we found ten things down there. Let's do all ten. Now let's do one. Now let's really hang on to that as the thing we're trying to deliver against. And how do you know? Which is the one? Is it by the reinterrogation of it and kind of, you know, when you start prodding it, you kind of start to open up that this this is the one. You're you're probably triangulating. You're probably 
you're probably going, ooh, that's interesting. I heard that from that person and that person and another person slightly differently. And I now remember seeing it pop up in page 28 of the research or the, the quant deck. Ah, there's, there's a pattern emerging. And that's the, that's the hard bit to train, if I'm honest. Um, because, you know, kind of, how do you know it's the one? You probably don't. You probably have a hunch. And therefore, I'd, I'd ask a supplementary question to that. That is, if, if you think you've got the, the insight, what are you going to do with it? What, what's the consequence of acting on that insight? If it is you're going to adjust your copy and run an A-B test on that copy, go knock yourself out. There's, there is zero consequence to that. Mm. And therefore, you might have found the one. Go try it. If you're going to build a factory based on <laughs> hunch, I would suggest you do a bit more rigor around around validating it and testing it. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I guess probably experience you know you kind of have short not shortcuts in process but just your brain has shortcuts into going how to pull from the research you know you, you kind of instinctively know it's like anything the more you do but the more you we, kind of get we into we will always work as a team both our side and with the client side because when something like that comes into the room you see people go oh oh that that's that's different that's it what and and therefore you're drawing on collective experience as opposed to following you know mechanically following a process to get to insight we are all insightful we all kind of pick up intuitive clues about the people we work with about the people we interact with and therefore you know i i think i think we should perhaps be a little bolder around trusting our our intuition when when we hear consumers kind of bring us something exciting I, pro- probably as a like as a marketer, there's a there's a, a fear, right? So I'm thinking like the client side, right? I'm sitting there going, and I, you know, I've, I've been in those oh moments, going, oh that's yeah. interesting, and then you're yeah. going, but ooh, ooh, how am I going to convince others that that oh moment? Because sometimes it's being there and hearing it and seeing a reaction to you know putting something in front of somebody. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I guess people in the, the client side, the marketing side can do to, to be bolder? Because I agree with you, you know, that, that I, Well, is, I, I was almost with you there. And then it's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't pursue bold for the sake of it. I would come back to that point about strategy because I think, you know, kind of, ooh, that's really interesting. There's something there about barbecues. Ooh, that's a really interesting option. For cats, yeah. Yeah, barbecues <laughs> for cats. Okay, now let's just do a quick back of bag packet on, you know, kind of on the frequency and, and, and volume of that. And therefore, I think often you're dancing between the two worlds. And that's why I say I think it's about joining them, not pursuing just what consumer wants consumers want and therefore there's something about fear of loneliness now we can't really deal with the the fear of dying alone but loneliness is quite an interesting insight loneliness is quite an interesting you know kind of emotional place to explore Mm. that your cat and and the relationship with your cat might sit in that i wish you hadn't chosen cat do you know i'm i, I i'm think i'm not a cat lover so <laughs> no offense to all cat lovers but i'm not so i don't know why i, I picked a cat um Connor, you, sorry to interrupt that's an interesting point though that is i think as marketers we have to we have to be able to drop ourselves into the world of cat lovers or tampon users or or you know kind of whatever 
And we do quite a lot of work in pharma. And therefore, you have to really immerse yourself and, and find empathy with a patient who has, who, who has a, a crippling disease that, you know, kind of thankfully I am not crippled mm. with, or a GP who is just so overworked that they don't have time or confidence to find out about a new medication. You have to kind of find that empathy and therefore, that that is a skill of in of itself, I think. Yes, yeah. How do you that? Because um, that is really interesting, and and it's something you know I've been talking about recently in terms of some of the the work I've been looking to be involved with the, in India. You know, and and I'm not from India. I don't live or work there. In fact, I've I've never been, um, and I've no kind of. Indian heritage, so, so I rely heavily on on the team there and kind of any other other research. But how do you, um, I guess, when you're when you're trying to find empathy and trying to understand a world that you're not operating in or part of, how do you ensure that your own kind of worldview and I, I don't use the word bias, but maybe it is unconscious bias doesn't yeah. cloud what you're what you're doing because it is. It's a real, it's the thing I struggle with, how to make sure I'm not bringing kind of just my, you know, Western bias to reviewing creative in in India. So a couple of thoughts in there. I think that there is a school of thought that says bias is, and therefore, you know, kind of we we can't get around that bias. And the fact that you're even aware of it starts to to open dialogue, which is great. Um, To the India point, I'm intrigued that... You, you openly admit you haven't been there, yet you're spending millions commissioning work there. <laughs> no disrespect, sir, but I would suggest go there. Because, yeah. because even, a, even a handful of interactions starts, you know, starts to give you that kind of sense of what's going on, starts to give you that sense. And therefore, you know, I, th- I think it is, it's really important that we don't think of consumers as them, as people mm. over there, and they don't need to be overseas. They can be, you know, low-income shoppers around the corner that have have little in common with with our lives. We're very lucky. Now go and now go and find out what it's like being them. Now go and yeah. you know, kind of find that empathy. Um, and then lastly, I think there's there's a separation that we make. That is, there are contextual insights or cultural insights about India, and therefore how people communicate and how. Um, you know how the, the legacy of the caste system and 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 so forth mm. is is fascinating. Those are very cultural, and therefore, if you're dropping a piece of comms right in the middle of something about you know related to that, then yeah, you're gonna need, you're gonna rely inordinately on on local expertise. But there's a whole heap of other insights that are human insights that we share as human beings. I've just done a study in five five countries around the world of people who are looking for work. And there is a, there is a commonality that we're seeing across all those markets of what it's like looking for work. Your insecurities about, am I any good? Will I, will I succeed? I want to pursue my dreams, but, you know, kind of, I, I have these, these pressures. I want to be seen uh, to be trying, but equally I don't want to be pushed. And all of these weirdly are common to human beings outside that context. So I think it depends which of those you're pursuing. I want to just touch on insights because there's lots then to get into kind of those (laughs) 
human insights and then kind of more nuanced local cultural insights. Yeah. Um, when you talk about insights, what, because people have lots of different definitions and meanings, how do you define it and what do you mean by it? I think it is what consumers can't or won't tell us, but that in of itself leads to insights that you put on the shelf. And therefore, I think you have to add to the back of that, that is what consumers can't or won't tell us that they're feeling deeply emotionally that we could leverage as a brand. Now, that's not a definition of an insight, but without that second half, I think you pursue them kind of in a vacuum and that, that's, that's less useful in my world. Okay. So yeah, but you're, well, let me understand what you're saying is you can tap into people's, you know, emotions and, you know, the deep kind of yeah. feelings they have about something, you know, like not, I don't get into cats again, but you know, their, their world, but if it's not going to, Unlock growth so, for you as well, a brand. Do, let's do cats. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm scared of dying alone. And therefore, you know, kind of my cat will be by my side. And when I do die alone, may then eat me. Um, <laughs> but I'm scared of dying alone. I don't really know what to do with that. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, it's taken to the nth degree. And therefore, by, by pulling it back a bit to loneliness or togetherness in a lonely world, who... There's something there, and therefore, you know, kind of. I, th I think I'm, I think I'm consciously looking at. I I'm test driving. Could I do something with that? Could I? Does that fit with the strategy? Does that fit with what I, where I, where I think we need to find the solution? So I think you're constantly playing both sides of the equation that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and so then you know you 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 you've talked about those kind of human insights that that can be global. I mean, we, you know, again, we've worked on stuff previously where, you know, we've seen that small business owners in, it doesn't matter what country you speak to them in, they are time poor and they yep. wear many hats. Like, I think you could go to any country in the world and talk to a small business owner and they will tell you this, the same thing. So that yep. is kind of a, a global human truth for small yep. business owners. And um, how do you take those and then because that's quite then generic probably as well yeah how do you take those and use those to kind of you know leverage the brand unlock growth I'd, and kind of I I I would push further on it that is it's true you're time poor it's true you wear many hats but how do you feel about that are you proud of that do you wear that as a as a badge of pride look at me I you know now now I can do it all now I'm on my own or is this, is this, you know, a very heavy burden that, that somebody could help alleviate? And therefore, by getting to the emotion that sits underneath that shared fact, then you start to find a connection point that, that the brand, whatever brand we're working on, could, could connect with. Well, and what are the ways you go about doing it? Because you work, you know, I've seen you work in groups, you work with individuals you do large-scale research is it kind of across all three like you're doing kind of big big pieces of research then you're kind of going into focus groups and then one-to-one -one interviews is it a process or is it just depend on the project that you get to those insights so gold gold standard i would go quant qual quant qual right because effectively you're using data to direct where you're where you're searching 
and therefore let's let's not just lean on the church of qual because it it has its you know it, it has its failings and then i would start digging into you know kind of what what do we think people think to your earlier point about oh that feels a bit scary then if you have budget a bit more qual just to validate those right. and then you know kind of polished off if you like on on the back end that that would be my preferred solution it's not it's not about numbers necessarily where where n numbers become interesting is is often the degree of risk which the client is prepared to take and therefore you know to see the pa- the factory point earlier yeah it is if we're just looking for copy changes here now obviously you're not going to do quant 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 in two rounds for copy but if all we're looking for is copy changes let's run a few groups yeah yeah maybe even with friends and family as opposed to you know kind of if if it's bigger then the risk is higher then we need we need a more robust n number yeah yeah it's um and in groups and again i've i've i think everyone who's done groups has seen it where things can get derailed right you can have one <laughs> one loud voice and you know they're they're just quite dominant in and i think that's down to then the facilitator of the group to kind of go okay i've heard from you and i've seen you do that very politely t- to people um, um but how you know when that happens it's you almost i almost kind of have this vision of like you know a jury deliberation scenario happening and people going i'm just going to go with this because you know that we'll get us out of here faster so let, let's differentiate between what i do and and proper research yeah there are the, the mrs is a, is, a, is an august you know organization and there are much better market researchers than i i'm sure because i'm not interested in the, the the i'm not interested really in sticking to the discussion guide and yeah. running replicated groups so that we have commonality i'm interested in where do i find the gold where do i find the answer and therefore I, you've probably seen me be a little more didactic shall we say um in those situations because actually you know they're getting paid i'm mm. getting paid to, i'm getting paid to find the gold let's find the gold and and not necessarily worry about people's you know kind of the the, the protocol yeah that that exists in proper research which is absolutely right for some circumstances yeah yeah and i i think it's fair i mean i again i, I to that point of I've, I've seen you kind of set up a session where it's like you've you've been paid to be here and so there may be up times where i kind of thank you for what you've said and move on to the next person it's done like it's set up well and so this, this know, is with consumers you're making me think connor i might try that with clients actually <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad idea <laughs> moving on to clients yes how do you make or make is the wrong word but how do you go about trying to land your work with clients because you know incredible amount of work goes into it there's then a, a readout and kind of you know how, how do you make that land then actually get executed it's, against it's probably the bit i'd like to get better at if i'm honest and i i think i think in this job you have to be humble because i think you have to be you have to be cognizant there are big people much better at navigating the internal politics than i am there are people who who understand their organization much better than i do and therefore i think it is I think it it has to be a joint effort that is what do you need and often that's hard for a client to tell you what they need and therefore kind of we will always try and build in an iterative phase at the end of a project that is 
is this is we believe in this, but in what way does this need packaged or in what way does the story need telling? Um, so we're busy turning what was a uh, in one project we're busy turning what was a, a very thorough PowerPoint presentation that brought to life all sorts of insights and and corroborating data. And we're now turning that into a series of inf infographics because the client has said, actually, the use case internally is that this should be an infographic. This should, this should be much, much simpler. And therefore, you know, kind of that, that absolutely is, is something we're going to deliver for them and is, is in, in, it, in itself is insightful, I think. Um, in terms of you know what they know the organization needs so f okay so this is for their own internal yes sorry was that not clear? no yeah, yeah just com communication of it like do it yeah because yeah that's really interesting that is really interesting because you even wonder we, if like video or you know because people yeah, exactly. are time we, we, we assume oh we've got the right answer now we're going to package it in the way that we're familiar with here you are there's your answer see you we're off yeah that we all know that doesn't work Okay, that is really interesting um, and, and as a way to kind of make sure that the work lives on because often you would see, you know, the answer to the, some of the questions is, yeah, no, we've done research on that. And then people are like, so I'll share the recording of the readout and then it's like mm. 90 minutes and people are like, oh, okay. And then there's, yeah, I believe you don't, you know, people don't have necessarily the time to, to, to see that. Um, I, I'd love to get... Um, Maybe if you if you can share, then kind of talk building on that kind of how do you get stuff to land with clients? Are there some projects that you've worked on that you've probably been proud of that you have said this is I've now seen the outputs of some of the work that we inputted into, like any of the kind of any clients you kind of seen that can share? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, ha happy to share, but I think I think the. When I worked in advertising as a creative, you, the only thing you're driven by, you're not driven by sales or I wasn't. You're driven by, did I see my ad on the telly? Yeah. Uh, did it get entered into an award show? And, and therefore, there is an ultimate end point of which you are proud. I think in my game, it's, it's, I, I'm just a link. I'm just a link in the chain. And therefore, if you've been on diabetes medicine, if you have stayed in a Marriott, if you have drunk Nescafe, if you have taken out life insurance, it's quite possible that I've had a part in connecting what that client does with the reason you've picked up. Yeah. You know, you've chosen to stay at a Marriott and not Hilton, or the reason that you've picked up an Nescafe and not a do Egbert's. And therefore, you know, kind of, I think the, the notion of I did this solo and it got launched is is a fallacy. I think there are some really good people in my client in you know my in my clients that have done a lot of more of the hard work. Oh yeah. After, after I've connected the dots. Yeah, no no, absolutely and and I'm not yeah, I wouldn't for one second say you would sit there and go Oh, oh, by the way, you know, Marriott's revenue increase in the last whatever is down to me, but but more I think, you know, I'm I mean when you know, maybe you pass by a piece of comms and, you know, an out of home for Nescafe, whatever it is. And you kind of go, you can almost see the inside come. Now it's probably bad yeah. to see the inside come through, but you kind of go, I know, I know, I know I played a part in that. And that gives you that, that sense of pride. And it may not be in an advertising, could be even just in 
a shelf that you haven't seen before in a supermarket or, or, or a new product iteration. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's nice. Um, Virgin Holidays um, asked us to work. At, Virgin Holidays are are an aggregator. Effectively, they they will they will package up flight and hotel and transport and and so forth, and you will pay a, a premium because they've done that for you to take you on on holiday. And they're under massive commercial threat because it's become easier and easier for for us to 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 put those packages together ourselves. And therefore, where's the where's the value add? And therefore, they launched as the result of of the work that we worked on, not that we owned it. That is, they launched a a really interesting initiative in Barbados. That was, as you're kicked out of your room on the last day, and you're waiting for the bus to take you back to the airport, it all feels a bit flat. It all gets a bit sad. It's the end of your holiday, and you're made to feel like at the insight. You know, kind of, we came up with you made to feel like a ghost. Like I don't really exist here, um, and therefore Virgin, you know, so the, our recommendation was do something about this, and we gave them some ideas, and and therefore they then put in a lot of work over the next eighteen months, two years, and launched something called Departure Beach, um, which is a is a is a real high point on the end of your holiday, which you can't do if you're packaging it yourself, mm. really, and it's very clever. Um, and therefore, I'm really proud that they launched that. But I'm proud of my link in the chain. Yeah. I, it would be arrogant of me to have a picture of it on my on my wall saying, you know, kind of, I did that. Because, you know, it takes a village. Yeah. But it, I think that that's a great example because that is bringing, you know, I think it's bringing it to life. Like, it really does bring it to life yeah. about how, how it works. And I guess the, the importance of it, like the importance of investing time in... Getting to insights. Well, I mean, Virgin are a really interesting brand. They're really proud of the brand. They're really proud of who they are. And they have a lot of permission to, to be a bit fun and a bit silly. And therefore, they're, they have a tendency to throw red stuff at, you know, because the brand is, is yeah. red through and through. And therefore, to throw red stuff at consumers. And they were throwing red stuff at consumers in the middle of their holiday. Actually, that's the wrong place to invest. And therefore, that subtle change and that, that key insight allows you to to be much smarter about where you invest and 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 you know how you see how you see uh, uh, you know kind of a, a change. It, it's brilliant because like that your that moment of going home is like it's it's stressful because you're packing and then what are you going to do with your bags? Is it like all that kind of stuff? And actually, to have people arrive home going, God, that was an amazing, that was an amazing day versus the previous 13, which will, they'll be the one that lasts in their memories. Yeah. You, you, asked, you asked about how do you know, and we talked about triangulation, and I remember it vi- vividly. That was, I had asked a couple, um, and we, we, we sat, you know, we sat and had, had some drinks on the last day and I said, you know, so how was it? It was good, you know, what are you doing now? Oh, I don't really know. You know, it's like, oh, okay, fine. And then I remember seeing somebody dithering whether they were allowed to go to the buffet or not and then somebody, somebody else had their suitcase open in reception and she had she was down on all fours rummaging around in her dirty in, in her dirty <laughs> clothes looking for something and i thought ah there's something going on here that this isn't this isn't what's in the brochure yeah yeah that's brilliant i, lo- I love that um how has the i don't maybe i shouldn't go the game but like the, the landscape of what you do change over the last 10 years like has your i'm sure it's all evolved but like have you seen 
you know, your approach needed to change, COVID aside, where everything was probably done mm. remotely and I won't get into that too much, but ha- has it changed? Has kind of there been, a, you know, I, I don't know, changes in beliefs think, that you have? I think, I think clients, many of my clients have got much better with ideas. Um, you know, kind of when I started back in the, as we said, um, the olden days, there were still dress codes. There were still quite stiff corporate behaviours. And I don't see that anymore. Um, I remember being in one meeting. It was with a New York uh, insurance company. And they had a protocol for, uh, there was dress strict dress code, male, men and women. They had a protocol for which direction documents would be passed around the table. Oh. It was extraordinary. And therefore, back in the day, getting companies like that to loosen up a bit and have some ideas and have some fun and be more innovative is very different to what, what is needed now. Companies are awash with ideas now. And therefore I, and that's why I say, I think if, if companies say they want, clients say they want ideas, something's up. Mm-hmm. And therefore that's, that's probably the biggest change I've seen over the last 10 years is every client we work with has a raft of ideas. Ideas are not the problem. Yeah. That's really interesting. I recently said that to, you know, our CMO about something different. It's like, we, there's no shortage of ideas. Yeah. Because, you know, I think, which is great. It is a wonderful thing that people feel that, you know, the the permission, I guess, to have ideas. Because previously ideas were probably the remit of a certain team or department. So it was probably like an innovation team if one existed or kind of a creative team. And that's oh, that's where ideas sat. And yeah. That's where they were, and you wait for you. when they come out. Then we'll, yes, how we'll know what the idea that was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the wonderful thing—I think you—you've said it before to me and some people we were working with—is ideas. Like ideas, the bad ideas will kind of fall away anyway, right? They—they they kind of they—they they die because they're they're bad ideas. So you, you know, you can give an idea enough enough energy in life to see if it it has that and then they'll just kind of fall away by the wayside. And, you know, so that's, but I think it's understanding how to, how to get to that and how to ensure that the, those, those good ideas can live. I, yeah, I think a bad idea you could probably, I suspect we could probably spot bad ideas earlier if we were really true to the insight, if we were really true to the strategy. And therefore I think quite often we fall in love with ideas that, cat barbecue idea I'm going to I've already written down and I'm going to come back to that is you know we fall in love with ideas or you know we get excited that we might have found something new Um, but actually if we're true to what's the strategy what's the real insight sitting there Ah, maybe that idea isn't quite as exciting as we thought how can because I think that's great and you know we're I think every marketing team is constantly doing it like oh like new idea new idea are there any like tips you'd have for people to kind of get to that like so okay you know i don't have curious industry working with me to figure out the insight but and i don't have a big strategy team how can i how can i start to articulate an insight that then when i have ideas i'm checking them off this insight and how do you go about that so it's a very easy technique to describe it takes practice and you know we we run a training course obviously and there's the plug um and uh <laughs> and um the, the technique is you think of a, a thought bubble 
coming out of someone's head. Yeah, not a speech bubble, not what they're saying, but a thought bubble. Now, in that thought bubble, let's write in first person what we think they're thinking. Yeah, and therefore, you could probably do that for you know. Let, let's let's take let's not take cat food. Let's take <laughs> let's take a statement that says I always buy I always buy the cheapest. Is what consumer said in a group. Let's say, okay, where's the thought bubble there? Let's write some first person equivalent to that. Is that actually, I feel smart buying the cheapest, or times are really tough and I need to be careful. There are some things where I will loosen up, and there are others where I dial down. It's very rare for someone to buy the cheapest of everything, mm. um, and therefore, the the technique is nothing more complicated than think of that thought bubble write it in first person and practice that yeah because that is that is where the skill builds if you like um and then having identified that you can you can play with consumers but you know is, is there something in this area is there something about that i think practice is is crucial and and speaking to consumers and probably yeah. as marketers we don't spend enough time talking to consumers i my tone suggests that was a question, so I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> it, varies, it varies a lot, organization to organization. There are some which are based in, you know, kind of beautiful business parks where everyone is it's close to their house and they have a lovely little life trundling to and from the office, or they used to, and, and have very little in common with the people that buy their, their, uh, their products in, in low-income or far, far-flung areas there are other organizations unilever is an interesting one that that has a kpi of consumer connects for i think almost everyone in right. certainly in in marketing um and therefore have you know how many consumer connects uh, is is a metric and therefore you know they they deliberately pursue this idea that you need to get out and see people it's also good fun go and rummage around in someone's cupboards Go and be a bit nosy. It's it's really interesting. I yeah. find it interesting to be provoked out of my little, you know, my little safe ivory tower. Yeah, it's in, I had Johnny Cahill, who's CMO of Heineken USA, on for one of these, and he talked about when he was in Russia, um, you know, going and living with steel factory workers in Russia when he was working for Heineken, like just you know, yeah. that I mean, that's probably I don't mean an extreme because it was part of what he was doing but you know there are ways of doing it even you know finding t finding time and just picking up a phone and you know getting the numbers you know, change, from your, change yeah. the radio station it used to be you know when when radio stations were a thing change the radio <laughs> station was was advice we would give our clients is like you know you, you're you're sitting there listening to what you want not yeah. what your consumers wanting um you know but equally it's it's a it's a relatively easy thing to do. You don't need to kind of change your lifestyle. You don't need to go and live in with Russian factory workers. It's just, it's just be inquisitive. I think, you know, yeah. find the value in it. Curiosity. That's maybe why it's there curious industry. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are coming very close to the end of this like, and flown by. Um, Thanks. I really enjoyed it. I have a question from my previous guest that I'm going to, put to you. So <laughs> Anthony Fletcher, who is founder of um, 
believe in science and their first product is Urban Legend Donuts. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was previously CEO of, of Grays, so the, the healthy food snack company that people yep. probably know well. Um, and Anthony's question was, how do you explain brand to your C-suite, your CFO, your CEO? That's an interesting question. Um, I I would be amazed if your C-suite doesn't understand it already. And therefore, I think the question is perhaps slightly different. It is how do you get them to prioritize brand? You know, like go, go in and lecture them about what a brand is or how important brand is. It's like, okay. But actually, how do we prioritize brand in, in the conversation, particularly nowadays? Because, you know, they're, they're, they'll be having a lot of sleepless nights about their, about their cogs, their cost of goods, and their, you know, about supply chain disruption. Yeah. And therefore, all that is important. All that matters. There's a, there's a tidal wave sweeping over businesses just now keeping them up at night. And therefore, what we need to do, I think, as marketeers is, is make sure that where our products surface in the world of the consumer is not neglected. Because if that bit breaks, then actually it doesn't matter how, how well we've priced. It doesn't matter really, you know, that we've got, we've got our supply chain fixed. And therefore, I, I suspect it is keeping marketing, perhaps not brand, but keeping marketing up the agenda. And that might be as simple as, you know, kind of keeping up to date with our packaging or, or uh, sust- you know, sustainable packaging. If you look at what Nestle's just done mm. on KitKat and, and yes, Quality yes. Street, you know, a huge investment, but a belief that this matters to consumers. And I think keeping, keeping the consumer in the boardroom is perhaps better than lecturing the CEO about brand. That, that's, a, that's great because that is you, the example of quality. Street. And I heard that and I was, I, I heard on a radio station and I think they thought it was going to be like recycled paper around the, the chocolates. But I think you're right. Like it's, it, this is, this is what consumers are saying is important. Therefore we show, we're going to do this. We're going to show up and then our product is going to show up differently in the consumer's lives. And that is, that is marketing. And I think, you know, I'd recently seen, you know, an article where people were like, oh, this brand grew with no marketing investment. Well, no, <laughs> really, there was lots of marketing investment because yes. the product was showing up. It was in stores. It was, you know, they, the, they the maybe day, had no TV advertising. The, the days of a, mar- of a marketer getting to make a 60 second TVC are very, very numbered, you mm. know, and therefore marketing is is a much broader church now and it's it's how how we turn up in front of our consumer and how we how we connect with that deeper insight whether that's a word on pack whether that's a, a piece of copy in an ad whether that's a you know whether that's a, 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 a tiny little square on facebook on their uh, you know on their um, on their mobile it's all really taken to the next level if yeah. it connects yeah even i've seen some amazing just email communications coming from brand you know and not ones that are like oh you know disruptive and annoying and like really well designed and you know engage me or amusing like button up box i think are an amazing uh, it's a dog food. i'm all about pet food today but it's an amazing dog food brand that's got an amazing tone the product turns up brilliantly at your front door. You can change the product. You can add to it. Their emails are funny. Like it's just, 
And that to me, they have they have done out at home, but um, you know, that to there's, me, there's a re- you, you've triggered a, a, an example, uh, reminded me of an example that is, I was handed a letter at my train station, and this was a couple of years ago, and it was a letter from the CEO of Chiltern Railways, which is this little, you know, kind of trundly little rail railway that I live on, and. Um, uh, there had been some disruption. And this was a letter from the CEO um, saying, I'm sorry we let you down. Yeah, And therefore he went on or, you know, a, a very, very good copywriter had written a couple of paragraphs apologizing. And it was extraordinarily well written. It was such a clever interception of their consumer um, and people were they had people handing this letter physically handing this letter out at the train station really clever piece of marketing yeah would you have thought it as marketing yeah no, no. but it absolutely fits in that definition for me. absolutely agreed um i'm gonna ask you one last thing which is we i don't know who my next guest is going to be and um, would you have a question you would like to pose to them or i'll pose on your behalf Oh, Connor. <laughs> All right. So the question I would have for them is, we're seeing the disruption of all sorts of categories. They are like the, the behemoths of food, drink, alcohol. They are all crumbling as craft and uh, smaller brands come in and, and eat their lunch. Um, you know, kind of the, the 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 barriers to entry for a smaller brand have fallen left, right, and centre. So perhaps the question is: Is there a future for big brands? Oh, that's great! Oh, I love it. Amazing. Tune in next week for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Meldrum, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, to, to chat with me um, I always enjoy spending time with you so appreciate it it's been a pleasure thank you for asking I've been lucky to have worked on a few projects with Mel, Meldrum through my agency days and at Indeed and as you can tell Meldrum doesn't shy away from respectively calling people out he's challenging he's curious he digs into what consumers can't or won't tell us and looks to help clients connect what they do with what consumers want, not what they say they want. And as Meldrum says, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. As Meldrum mentioned, aside from their core service, they do have a training course available, which is a great way to dip into the world of curious industry. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to That's What I Call Marketing. If you did enjoy it, please do share add comments with your feedback follow us on twitter at that's underscore marketing and if you or someone you know would be a great guest for the podcast get in touch i'll add an email address into the show description so for me connor byrne until the next episode take care